Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland League game, this time at home. And it's the end of a run of defeats with a 3-1 win at home to Norwich City. And as always, we'll get into what happened during the game, some of the changes that were made, and then a brief look ahead to the next game, which I think is on Saturday. But like I said, John, first, well, it, it's the end of what was a run of three defeats. Um, and this is one of them games where the performance doesn't matter. Nothing matters other than ending that run of form. And we did. Yeah, we did. Like you say, it's one of those, you just, obviously you want to play well and you want to play well at home. Um, but it's about getting that result after the results we've had. Obviously we know it's it's quite reactionary, you know, on, on social media when, you know, we're, we're sort of win, not winning uh, games, you know, three in a row. You know, we could all argue that in fairness, you know, obviously we know the Middlesbrough game was a bit of a, a weird one. And then decisions, you know, from sort of the Dan Neal one have, have not gone in our favour, but it's not it's not all been doom and gloom. You know, when we lost sort of a few games when we were in sort of League One, it was, you know, we we were bad and we weren't, you know, we weren't nearly as, as good as we should have been. Whereas we know now it's, um, it's you know, we're we're still doing the right things and obviously the results will come. Um, but yeah, as as opposed to yesterday, um, it is getting that getting that job done. I think as soon as when they scored, I, kn- I thought they'd score against the runner play. It's just typical. Yeah. Um, I, once we got, you know, the goal back, I was I was then confident. If if you know what I mean, Cause teams like to sit back and just play a bit of shit housery. Um, oh God, yeah, we you know less. Oh, I say the referee again and and the, the linesman, Jesus. It's, it's it's getting boring now. It it really is like, and there's never any accountability from you know their bosses. You know, you look at Jared Gillett, who did the the you know sent Dan Neil off, and you know he's back working within, you know, sort of a week. So there's there's never any. It's just one of those things you just got to suck on take it. It's awful, but you got to. He was the VAR in that Wolves game as well, and gave one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, and it and it took how long did it take? What five minutes to, yeah. to re- if you have to watch something like you know it get, to me it goes to a matter of opinion then, and you might as well. It's, it's you know. like, this is completely off topic, and it's literally going to be a thirty second debate this one. But the whole clear and obvious debate in football is absolutely shocking because that is as clear and obvious a mistake as you will get, and he still decided to go with the obvious decision in that game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a weird one because if if Anthony Taylor doesn't give it. You're, you can't tell me Jared Gillett's going to say, oh, you better have a look. You better have a look. That's a, that's that's a, that's a tense, if he doesn't give it, that's a 10-second check to say there's no contact. Play on. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those ones you just you just get like, oh, you know, you just think, oh, he's given it, well, whatever. You know, yeah. he, who, who knows what the rules are anymore? Yeah. We'll start with the referee because we always like to leave the main talking point for last and I don't think the referee was the main talking point in this game and We'll touch on the Norwich goal in a second, but just in general, again, they were just shocking. You know, some of the decisions, even not even just the referee, but the linesman, you know, there's three or four times in our favour where the ball was a yard or two out of play. The linesman somehow didn't see it, wasn't given. Um, there was another case in the, I think it was in the first half, where we go to take a quick free kick. Their player deliberately blocks it, stops a quick free kick. Referee's not even looking at it, doesn't get booked. Um and again, it was, like I say, we'll get on to the goal and, and the kind of question marks over it, but it was just shocking again, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, you know, we, we said when we were in League One, you know, when we go up, 
you know, I, I don't know why we expected the officiating to get any better. You know, if, if anything, it's it's worse. Just and we keep getting these drop down Premier League referees. I, th- I think that I think that is what makes it worse as well, is because when you're in League One, you're not going to get Premier League refs. When you're in the Championship, you're going to get Premier League refs, and the Premier League refs are so heavily reliant on VAR that they don't want to give clear decisions because nine times out of ten, they've got another referee who can check it, watch the replays, and they'll make the decision for them. They don't have that in the Championship, which is why so many big decisions seem to go, not just big decisions, but clear decisions seem to go unnoticed. Yes, again, it's it's one of those massive frustrations. All you're asking for is consistency. You know, what what happened to, to, you know, to time wait to Norwich keeper yesterday? How long did he take to take goal kicks? You know, and the referee's just going, come on, come on. And it's like, mate, he's not... You're gonna just leave it, aren't you? You're just gonna be like, well, I'll just I'll keep dragging it because he's not gonna book me. Well, you book him straight away. He's gonna be in trouble then because you have that consistency. You know the amount the amount of people I've seen now mouthing off the referee and yeah. not getting a yellow card, whereas we're the ones who were who were punished. You know, yeah. it's just give us that consistency. And if someone's consistent, even consistently bad, I'll go well. At least it is consistent. But that that will always will always be the frustration. I think that, yeah, the linesman, I think before the, I won't call it controversial side because I think he's, you know, I, th- I think how it went was probably quite straightforward. Um, but before that, I'm sure he, he totally missed something and you're thinking, what are you doing, man? You know, who who grows up to want to be a linesman? You know, you must have failed some way in life to be considered a linesman. You have to fail as a footballer and then you have to as fail, a referee. You have to fail as a referee. Yeah, exactly. You're not good enough to be a referee, but you're good enough to... You've only got to watch. That's all you got to do. You know, it's... But yeah, we could we could smash them to pieces all day long, so I'd, I'd rather not. All day long, every week of the year. Um, But like I say, Norwich took the lead, and you said controversial, and it's a weird one, because at the time, he looked absolutely miles offside. There's a few pictures on Twitter that shows he could be onside. I don't think anyone can be getting definitive answer from them pictures, because you can see just about nothing of true human in pictures is close but the thing that gets me is i don't know how to word this because like i said the offside is actually a lot more contentious than i thought it was but if you watch it back and people say this is clutching at straws but it really isn't because if you watch it back you'll see that when the ball goes through to that player who is potentially offside the linesman changes his running stance has both hands on his flag, which means he's about to flag for offside if he touches the ball. And like I say, people will say that's clutching at straws. You'd be like, oh, that could happen. But if you watch any rep, any game of football, if the linesman gives a offside, they change the way they're running. They don't have the flag in, in one hand anymore, and you can tell they're about to give it. And that's exactly what the referee does here. So in the linesman's mind, he is offside. But he doesn't flag because he hasn't touched the ball. Whereas as soon as an attacking player who is deemed to be offside makes a move towards the ball, he is interfering with player. And that's what he does. The linesman doesn't give it. And ultimately they go down and score. And like I said, that that doesn't happen. The defendant after that becomes irrelevant. But in this case, it's not irrelevant because Sunderland, again, have to do better after that. Yeah, I think I think you got you got to break it down straight away, and and this is what what you're always told. Um, and it's if 
if the player going for the ball, which I think he does make a motion to the ball, which would make our defenders react, which is what they do do. Yeah. So if, if you make them react in any way, I think we saw one in the Premier League a few weeks ago with, I think it's Man City, who ran across the or ran near the keeper. The keeper hesitates, but it was Jason Steele, I think. Um, he then holds his dive for a second. Then he does dive. And obviously, if he hadn't have, uh, if the guy wasn't there, obviously he dies fully, and he, you know, he he does save the ball. But in that, in that moment, if you're changing a defender's, and that's why it's it's refereed and linesman, that's not even a word, but whatever. Um, but if it's if it's that, you know, they aren't footballers, so they wouldn't know that. They wouldn't know that, like your thought process, a defender would you, how you react. Yeah. You know, and that's, I don't think those are the types of things that are taken, you know, into account. On the flip side, yes, we're a very young team, but play to the whistle, you know. Yeah. I did the, to me, the atmosphere wasn't absolutely rocking in the first half, so you would have heard, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have heard the whistle because obviously it didn't go off, so you deal with it. You can't, we can't just claim, you know, and there are some times where we don't claim for stuff. You've got to deal with it, and if you deal with it, you know, we, we comfortably win the game probably... You know, probably more because they don't score, but they catch us out. Awful defending. You know, someone's free on the edge of the box, which is is quite poor. But again, I don't think we've reacted very well um, from what we'd call a mistake, you know, by Equis. I think even Mowbray said, you know, he's, he's got to deal with that. Um, and then, you know, we'll ask questions later. You know, you can smash the ball out of play or smash the player and take a foul and then berate the linesman. Then, oh, you know, I can live with that. But it's it's one of those, again, it's just... Just give us that consistency because I think he does play. He's, I think he, well, as is you saying, even Trey Humes out of the picture is probably even playing him, playing him on sides. So it's probably a non-issue. Again, you've got to deal. You know, it comes back to Pierre Equa. You've got to deal with it, and the excuse will be, well, young team still learning, a bit naive, and you know, we've we've got to expect those things, and that's that's how it is, and that's unfortunately what we we have to accept by by all accounts. And one nil it's very much looking like the same outcome as the last three games, um, in which, of course, all games we have went behind, only scored one of them, one goal in them previous three games. But it was about 14 minutes after Trey Hume gets, well, I think it's his third goal for Sunderland. Um, I thought it would go down his own goal, but it hasn't. And it's a first contribution of the season for Patrick Roberts, which... A little bit disappointing, considering the quality that he has and the amount of games he's played. But he gets the assist, and you know we say this a lot, but it is a good time to get that equaliser because you know if if you're gonna be at home against a team like Norwich, who you know have struggled so far this season, down in seventeenth, um, if you let them go into the halftime break with a goal advantage, things are going to be a lot harder in the second half for you to come out and attack them, come out and break them down. So to get that equaliser when we did. And, you know, one thing, I want to say a shoot from outside the box. Was it a shot? I don't know if it was. But we seem to do that a lot more in this game. Just whether it was a shot from outside the box, whether it was just trying to get an early cross in. If you do that more often, all it takes is a nick off the player and it gets you a goal. Yeah, exactly. You know, perfect. Um, you know, a time to score, you know, sort of, I think it was 30, 37 minutes, I think. It's probably even going wide. You know, by the looks of it on the uh, on the stream, but you know we've we've had nothing's go against us. Um, you know, the last few weeks, so it's about time maybe something did, you know, fall for us. And like I say, perfect time to, you know, if you're if you're level, um, 
against what we'd call, you know, I thought, you know, Norwich were horrible, to be fair. You know, if you're early on and still still level after going behind, you know, I think they're thinking, oh, we're, we might be in a bit of trouble here. You know, if they, if they go in at 1-0, they've got something to hold on to. You know, they can recharge and it's like, right, get out there, kick seven bells out of Roberts and, um, and Clark, um, waste time, you know, try and piss the crowd off. And, you know, that that's what we see nine times out of ten. But again, even better, we obviously... Um, we obviously score, you know, again, just before half-time and go in, um, go in 2-1 up. Yeah. And it's a very good goal, the one, the one that put us 2-1 up. And it's Jack Clark who's involved again. This was his ninth contribution of the season. Obviously, go on, goes on to get his tenth as well in the second half. But it, again, similar to Robert, it's, it's his first assist of the season. And... It's a very well-earned assist as well. He gets the ball, he beats two or three players, and you know he has the awareness to pick out Daniel, who's made the run through the middle. And you know, not only is the assist a very good one, but it's a very, very, very good finish from Daniel as well over the keeper. Yeah, I think the assist is is fantastic. You know, he doesn't panic. Um, you know, he could have about ten players around him, and I think he'd still try and dribble the ball out. Is he's got such quick feet? You know, which makes, you know, his stats will sort of embarrass Burnley, you know, with their stupid low ball bids. Um, but yeah, just just an absolutely fantastic bit of football that is the norm now. You know, it's not a surprise. Um, you know, I think he really has come on, you know, this season even better. I think he's I think he's got better stats already or that he's so matched them already. Stats, one interesting one is I think we've scored 24 goals this season. And 10 of them have been contributed by him, which is about 45%, I think. Um, obviously, nine goals and an assist. So it shows just, it's a good thing um, that, you know, a player like Clark, you can rely on, he's shown consistency this season. That's, I think, 14 or 15 games and obviously 10 contributions. But it also is, I don't want to say a bad thing, but possibly a cause for concern that if you take him out of your team, if he was to get an injury, if he was to if he was to leave in January or whatever it would be, you've immediately lost forty five percent of the goals that you've scored so far this season. Of course, that's a worry, you know, and I think we're all in agreement that, you know, although he's he seems to be playing relatively well, but we need Patrick Roberts to sort of at least match half of those those stats. He seems to be sort of shown down blind alleys a few times doesn't really you know get obviously doesn't get the final finish that the Jack Clark's got, got at the minute maybe it's because people are focusing on Patrick Roberts maybe that's given you know Clark a bit of like non-pressure on that on that side um, but at the moment it's is really working am I you know talking about who who's scoring the goals at the minute um, this, this will probably sound like a bit of a criticism but I think if we play Anybody else? I think if you play Rusin in there um, or Job, I don't think they they score like Dan Neil does. I think the composure, you know, just to go across the goalkeeper and then just sort of just think it over. That's that's an unbelievable finish for me. That's you know for such a young. I know they're all young, but you know for such a young lad, you know we'll we'll give Rusin the uh, the credit who took the defenders, you know, away, which created the space and obviously Clark getting his head up. Um, but, you know, that is a fantastic finish. But I'm not sure, you know, our strikers go through and, and necessarily score that. So that maybe is the slight 
concern on a on an absolutely positive obviously note with us you know scoring another beautiful goal yeah and obviously the third goal again is as a result of Jack Clark he gets the goal um from the penalty spot and again very similar to what you said it's a case of how confident he is on the ball he picks it up he drives into the box and we've had players in the past that would do that and just wouldn't look like the very composed and wouldn't look like they have the ball under control. But every time Clark runs forward with it, it looks like it's stuck to him. And the defender sticks out a leg. Clark goes down. Obviously, Hamia was on the pitch at this time as well. Could have squared it. Um, but he didn't. He gets the foul, wins the penalty. And, you know, for someone who came out in an interview after the game and said he doesn't think he's very good at penalties, he's been pretty good at penalties. Oh, he's spot on at penalties. Like, for me, I think he's one of those few players that when he puts the ball down, like I, I wouldn't even worry. It's sort of up there with, you know, Barini when he used to take penalties. Literally, no. If I could have two penalty takers, I would literally, those two would be the first on my list. Both of them just cool, calm, literally just slot it in. Doesn't matter what way it goes, they'll just score. And that's that's what you want. If I was being. If I was being controversial, I'd probably say I'm not sure it was the most clearest penalty I've ever seen. I mean, I think we've had, you know, more clear-cut ones that haven't been given. Um, it looked a little bit like he was... I think I think it's one of them as well, and we've used this argument for things that haven't been given, and possibly should have, but there is... People will say it's a soft penalty. I think it is a penalty. But if that's outside the box, there is no doubt it's a foul. So if that's inside the box it's no doubt there's a foul because if it's a foul outside the box it's a foul inside the box yeah but we we know that that's not you know that isn't a thing I mean that's that's perfect logic and I, w- I would stand by that but I don't think referees go by that you know the yeah. softest of softest fouls will go you know I don't know if you saw the I think it was Plymouth Ipswich game yesterday I think one of the Plymouth striker when they were one they were up got absolutely chopped down you know the the Plymouth commentator. I think even lost lost it. Started calling him all sorts. The referee, literally live on air, um, from what I listened to this morning. So, you know, and we've we've obviously seen Dan Neal's one as well. But maybe again, maybe we maybe we deserved one. You know, so we we we'll take it a hundred percent. And like like we going back to the original point. You know, there's no one better than than Clark. I think when I saw. I think Hamir was sniffing around quickly, you know, to sort of get him on yeah. the score sheet. And we've seen before, you know, I think it was when um, I think McGeady gave the ball to Will Grigg, you know, sort of get your first go under your belt. You know, for me, we're, you know, it's 2-1. Norwich could could snatch something. So let's just go on and do the business. And, you know, hopefully in the next few weeks, you know, we seem to be creating a bit more, um, you know, and, and playing, playing more like to the strikers' strengths, maybe. Maybe we could play Rusin and, you know, a little bit more in behind. I think he got a bit frustrated. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Hamir, maybe if we're being critical, should have at least worked the goalkeeper instead of sort of knocking it, you know, up to where the away fans are. Um, but yeah, Jack Clark penalties, spot on. Got no, no problem with that. And yeah, just again, a fantastic player and, and enjoy him for for however long he's here. But if, if he's going to go, you know, you absolutely take someone's pants down for him. I wouldn't sell him for nothing less than 30. Not a chance. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's another game that we haven't had a striker scoring and not one of our strikers has hit the back of the net yet. But Roosan obviously started this one. Hamir came on as a sub and although they didn't score, obviously Roosan, I don't think, <clears throat> had a had a chance in the game. Hamir did. Um, but 
the positive signs are still there, especially for them to, um, you know, the link up play that Hemiya showed when he came on. I think it was one point where I think it was him and Pritchard on the on the left wing linked up well, one two, and Hemiya broke away and he's trying to switch the ball and defenders intercepted it. Rusin, you know, has a lot of pace. Absolutely body one of their defenders to to break away and put a cross in for Clark in the first half that went just wide. But if we do start creating chances, and I do think there is a case of Sunderland having to get used to playing with a striker again because everything seems to go through Clark. If it doesn't go through Clark, you're trying to switch the ball to Roberts. There was quite a few times, especially in the first half, where Vusen's on the on the shoulder of the defender, just a little dinked ball over the top, and you know he's in on goal. But like I said, signs are there that. Should Sunderland, you know, find a way to get them involved in the game a little bit more often, that they can come good. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's there's promise in, you know, I haven't seen obviously much of my ender, um, but you would say there's promise in in all four of them. You know, I'd like us to persist with Rusin and Semedo and sort of my ender more than more than Burstow. That's not a, a slight on Burstow, he's just not obviously our player and yeah. You know, Chelsea are not going to sell him to him, sell him to us. You know, anything cheap. So there's not really, you know, they're all they're all sort of uh, in the same sort of category, if you know what I mean. So I'd rather persist with with ours. And like we're saying about Rusin, I saw him a couple of times sort of running behind, turn around, the ball didn't come. Yeah. Um, so we, like you say, we've got to adapt to him. He's got to adapt to us. It's got to be that that give and take. And you know, we've we've played, we haven't played, sorry, uh, with Ross Stewart for, you know, a long time. And once you take him out and you play a diff, totally different style, obviously the mindset is to know the, the obviously the wingers know they need to dribble the ball and not really have a focal point up there because Mowbray likes the strikers to get involved in the play and not necessarily just be that person in the box. Whereas the yeah. tactic four with Stewart was run the channels, bring others into play, and we're up the pitch so much better. But obviously it's a different way of playing. Um, and I don't know if you heard Mowbray. Um, we've with Nick Barnes sort of had the ump um, a little bit, which was, I think he said about, you know, Rusin and where he struggles with the language. And then obviously turns out two days later, he's, he's starting. It's a bit like, well, yeah, yeah but at, at least he's, at least he's gone in there. You know, we, we do have to work out, you know, it is a little bit of an issue, but like you say, the, the signs are, are promising and they've all got their own, you know, they're young. They're going to be, there's a reason they're here and not, you know, uh, you know, in the top end of the Premier League, you know, obviously, Rusin's come from Ukrainian football, not going to be anywhere near the standard we play um, at the moment. Um, obviously, Meander is still very, very young. Um, and Also injured again. Yeah, and Samedo as well, you know, he's playing in the second team in, in Portugal, and even if he's playing in the first team in Portugal, it's still, it's very slow, non-contact, you know, nice football, yeah. if you know what I mean, as opposed to, you know, He's going to have two centre-backs like up his arse constantly. He's got to learn. I think I watched, um, I think he played for the under-21s a few weeks back and I could hear on the stream, like the coaching staff was sort of telling him constantly, like, come on, come on, come on. Because he was, he was a little bit sort of lazy, but that's very, you know, that's very much a European player. Um, so hopefully he gets up to speed, all of them, and they are, to be fair. they All three of them will be, all four of them, sorry, will be a, a really good threat. Yeah. Well, next game is Swansea away. On Saturday, there's only two more games until another international break. We've got an international break, two-week break, three games, another two-week break, and then it's annoying. But Swansea to next game, away from home. I don't know where they are in the league, but I don't think they're doing particularly too much this season. Um, yeah, 13. And, yeah, 
so this win against Norwich put an end to a run of defeats. Realistically, you want to go to Swansea and start a run of wins. Yeah, you want to you want to obviously back it up. You know, we've got a good basis to to go and play. They, I don't know if they still play. You know, they're obviously the onus is on them being at home. Um, you know, can we can we pick them off and attack them really quickly? And like you say, we're still we're just waiting for that Roberts to. You know, I don't, I don't want to say click, but you just want something to drop for him. Maybe just give him a little bit of a a boost, you know, sort of stat wise. Um, but I don't see any reason why. You know, we shouldn't be going there. Number one, giving them a game, and number two, coming away with with a um, you know a win. Yeah. If you had to go with a prediction for the game, what would it be? I'd go two-one Sunderland. I only say two-one because I believe Dan Ballard is suspended, even though that's no one knows. But I've, it's, I've, it's weird because I don't actually I know believe, who got booked there because Sky Sky Sports had Ballard as getting booked in the game yesterday. But not. Ekra. I think it was from what from what I saw on the stream. Equa gets booked yeah, for his protest, but then I'm sure Danny Collins said at the same time Ballard berates the linesman as well. He gets booked as well, and, and we're Sunderland. If you berate anyone, you get booked. So yeah. it, it's totally believable. But if obviously if he's out, you would have thought maybe Silt's going to come in. You would think, or he's going to shift. You know, put Sirkin in, Huggins right back, and then Trey Hume centre back. But. You, uh, you never know. I'd like to see um, Silk come in because I don't think he did too much wrong, even though he got humped in Middlesbrough game. But yeah, we'll, we'll go, uh, we'll go two-one. But yeah, I'll take, I'll take any win, and I'll back us in every game. To be fair. Yeah. Well, that's on Saturday. We'll get a podcast out at some point over that weekend to talk about that game, and then a brief look ahead to the next game, which is at home to Birmingham, which is an early kickoff, I think, on the following Saturday, and then, of course, like I said, international break again straight after that, which is fun. So we'll get something out to talk about that Swansea game. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.